0: We all want to feel more connected in our relationships, but oftentimes we don't know where to start. If you're here and listening to the podcast, you've already made a huge step in the right direction to strengthening and deepening your relationship. But what you're probably still looking for are the specific tools and exercises needed to create lasting, positive improvements in your relationship. Change doesn't happen on its own. And that's why we created the course, Spark My Relationship spark my relationship will help you create more passion improve your communication and build a stronger more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days when life gets busy and stressful your relationship doesn't have to take the backseat. this course has helped thousands of couples reignite that spark while having fun Spark My Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. This self-paced journey is perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. In this course, you'll learn from 15 different psychologists and therapists, the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. Some of these strategies include how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learning healthy and successful communication tools, creating a deeper and more intimate bond and strengthening your couple microculture and future together. Don't just settle for an average relationship. Make it amazing. For our listeners only, we're offering a special $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount today. There's a 30-day money back guarantee, so there's really no reason not to give it a try. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for $100 off our online course.
1: Is going on, Love Tribe? Welcome
0: to the show. If this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. Welcome. And if you are an avid listener, I don't know what other word to describe it. Long time <laughs> Long listener. time listener. Thank you for uh, coming back and listening to another episode.
1: Yeah. It seems like there's over 10,000 of you now that are subscribing and, uh, you know, it's hard to tell from the numbers for sure, but more or less... When a podcast goes out that first day, we're getting about 10,000 downloads I think we had consistently. 12,000 last yeah, week, which yeah. is pretty
0: amazing in so one day.
1: That's pretty cool to think that there's that many of you out there that are on this journey, getting this information right there with us and, and hopefully seeing some positive impacts in your lives. I know it's helped us a lot. It continues to help us a lot. And, and we just love to be able to Bring this stuff to you on this beautiful Fourth of July.
0: Yeah, it's I was going to say, did you forget it was Fourth of July? <laughs> almost, but
1: <laughs> I love this time of year. It's like barbecues, the weather's nice. Really, hopefully, no matter where you're listening to this, uh, the weather is is going to be probably warm. You know, pretty warm, much all hot, in North sunny, America. Yeah.
0: And let us know where you're watching the fireworks. I always love to hear the different places that people watch fireworks. I think it's so cool. So let us know where you watch your fireworks tonight.
1: Yeah. And, and, and hide hide your dogs and pets. I know they get freaked out.
0: <laughs> and kids, too. <laughs> and kids.
1: Yeah. Fireworks are fun for adults, but
0: yeah, I think not everyone so much else. For everybody else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it's always a can be a, a challenging time of year too. Certainly, uh, a lot of times people travel for for Fourth uh, of July, the holidays, and you're seeing family. And if you have stress in the relationship, it's certainly not helping. So today's episode and and a lot of past episodes will help you navigate those things so you can enjoy your time barbecuing watching fire.
0: (laughs) And like Chase mentioned, because it can be a stressful time in our relationship due to travel and everything in today's show notes, we'll link to some of the past episodes about managing stress or anxiety in the relationship. And hopefully if you're in that situation, those episodes will help you as well.
1: In today's episode, we welcome Dr. Ryan Howes, and Ryan is a clinical psychologist in California and writes for Psychology Today and Psychotherapy Networker Magazine, and I thought this was pretty cool and interesting. He is also the founder of National Psychotherapy Day, which Sarah <laughs> just looked up is,
0: uh, when September is September
1: 25th. Yeah. We're we're gonna put this is obviously before that, but I thought it'd be cool to put it out on that day that he found it on that day. (laughs) But uh, Ryan comes on the show and we talk about forgiveness and reconciliation and all of us in our personal, um, romantic relationships, professional relationships at work, friends, family. We are gonna have to apologize at some point. No one is perfect, so we talk about how to apologize, but then also how to forgive. And understanding both of these sides is important because we're going to have to do both at at probably daily. (laughs) And and I know I learned a lot and got a lot of valuable stuff. And then we also talk about reconciliation, which is a little bit different from forgiveness.
0: And one thing I learned that was pretty fascinating about forgiveness is there are tons of benefits. So not only are you going to be feeling better inside, but there's mental health benefits, lower blood pressure, health benefits. So there is a lot of benefits of learning how to forgive.
1: Yeah, it's an important skill to to learn and obviously a lot of our listeners are adults when we talk about it it's like these things do not come innately and forgiveness yeah if you learn it when you're young and and learn how to apologize great but it's still going to be hard to do and if you don't know these these steps I didn't know these these steps to go through it can facilitate that process and make it a little bit easier and faster sometimes.
0: And this episode is kind of a good prelude to next week's episode, which is about rebuilding trust. So these are kind of the foundational steps uh, to forgiveness. And then of course, reconciliation, if you know, after that as well, but then also the next week's episode is about rebuilding that trust, which can take years as Ryan says. So um, keep a lookout for that episode too, um, next week, where we discuss kind of the next phase.
1: And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy today's show.
0: Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining us on the show today.
2: Hi there. I'm glad to be here.
1: Ryan, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your professional history. Why don't you take a minute and tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships?
2: Well, I, I think we're all about relationships, really. I think we're wired for relationships. I think we um you know as a as a psychologist i don't I don't see couples exclusively. I see mostly individuals actually, but you know the majority of things that people come in to talk about are relationship related you know even if they're talking about their work, they're talking about the coworkers at work and their boss or if they're talking about uh you know their their depression or the anxiety even they're talking about how that's related to um the the other significant relationships in their life. So I just, you know, I feel like even though um, I'm not always talking with couples, I'm I'm always talking about people and how they relate to one another.
1: That's interesting that you say that because I always feel like this podcast is focused on improving people's relationships, but we could just change the name and say it's a business podcast to help you, you know, navigate the workplace and pretty much everything besides the romantic stuff, which is not a, incredibly large portion of this podcast would apply so um, and it's interesting that the individuals that come in most of the time it's about relationships and yeah we are wired for it and it's a huge part of our lives and and today's topic is one that is going to help people in relationships or not And, and that is the topic of forgiveness and and you had a great article where you talk about forgiveness and contrast that with reconciliation. So why don't we jump in and talk about forgiveness? Why is it so hard to forgive?
2: Okay. Well, first, I'd like to just to, to say that when having this discussion, um, it's actually pretty important to, to define our terms a little bit because for 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 whatever reason, um, the idea of of forgiveness the topic of forgiveness gets a little confusing for people because they kind of um uh you know overlap the two concepts of forgiveness and reconciliation so so if you don't mind I'll just start with that and talking about how forgiveness as far as research is is concerned and as the science of forgiveness is concerned forgiveness is an individual process it's something that you're doing to let go of a grudge um that you're that you've been holding on to you've been hurt you've been injured somehow in your life and you uh you know you' you're dealing you've dealt with that pain and then you're eventually able to to let go and I can talk about the process of letting go but forgiveness as far as as far as science is concerned is is about the individual um, reconciliation is the other term that we use that's that's more about the relationship that's more about how do we rebuild the re- and uh and get reconnected with the other person, and that's not um that's a more complex issue, but it's not the same thing as forgiveness as far as science is concerned. does that make any sense
1: absolutely and like you said, important distinction and and forgiveness it can be so empowering because it doesn't require the other person and we certainly want to talk about reconciliation because, for the health of a relationship, that's going to be important. But let's focus in on forgiveness and and just how we can start that process internally.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so in doing a bit of research and, and work, um, you know, work clinically with my own clients, and then uh, reading up on on a lot of um, different researchers who've who looked at uh, forgiveness. It seems that there there are kind of four elements that uh, that tend to arise that uh, that I've noticed um, that are kind of prerequisites for forgiveness. Four things that kind of have to take place in order to forgive. And again, this is an individual process. So so imagine some some slight that you've had, something that went wrong in your own life, uh, someone who hurt you, and uh, and you're trying to forgiveness. So the, trying to forgive that or uh, forgive them. And the first thing is an understanding of what took place, just kind of having a, a cognitive knowledge of what actually happened here. You know, if if uh, if someone was, you know, someone got angry with me and, and punched me out of the blue or someone, you know, broke my heart or stole something from me, you know, just to understand what is it that actually happened. And sometimes that's that can be a very difficult part because people don't always understand, you know. Why did this happen or what actually what actually took place? That could take take a bit of time. Um you have a question there?
1: Yeah, uh I I didn't want to interrupt you but I oh, was, no, I was curious you mentioned some people have trouble understanding what took place. And, and it's interesting, like, obviously, we all experience our own reality of things, and it might be different (laughs) than than what actually happened. So can, during this stage, can, can the person that's trying to forgive, ask, uh, depending on the situation, but ask, hey, you know, this is the way I felt like this went down. And and was that your experience? And and to kind of get a good gauge on how they were perceiving what actually happened.
2: I think I think if if they have that kind of relationship with the other person, where they can ask, sure, you know, again, if this is a a a married couple, certainly, you know, you would want to, you could ask that other person. But if this is a stranger or someone who who went to prison for their crime or something like that, you might not be able to just sit down and have that conversation with them. The most important thing is is that you have a framework. You have something that says, okay, here's here's why here's why this happened. Here's what I understand. You have a a, a reasonable framework to, to kind of hold on to to say this is what uh this is what took place and this is why.
1: Yeah it's um, a good place to start.
2: Yeah, it's a place to start. So an understanding. The second part is is the ability to express the emotion. So and and a lot of times people wanna wanna leapfrog this. They don't want to get into the emotion maybe or they don't wanna uh feel the feelings of it. But it is important for you to be able to feel the hurt, feel the sadness, feel the, the fear or the anger that you have about being um you know, transgressed in that way. And and again, this is something that, that you can do individually. This it's not that, that the other person needs to hear this necessarily, just that you need to be able to get it off your chest. And people do this in a number of ways. You know, they could, you know, scream and shout, or they could write a, you know, strong letter, or they could paint an angry picture, or play angry guitar, or whatever it is that you do to express your emotion. There needs to be a, a, a an expression of that to get that kind of off your chest and and kind of out of your system.
1: I like the angry guitar. <laughs> I, could, I could, you know, mm-hmm. drums, bang on some drums. But but yeah, I think. We tend to suppress those feelings. I know, I tend to maybe judge myself. Like, hey, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so angry about this transgression. Uh, why am I letting it bother me? Rather than just being like, you know, recognizing those feelings and and then uh, and 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 then moving forward from there.
2: Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, we in uh, in psychotherapy, there there's some folks who will use a technique called the empty chair where you just imagine the person that you're angry at sitting in the chair next to you or sitting across from you and you just let them have it. You know, here's all the things I wanted to say to you. Um if you can actually say that stuff to the person, you know, again if it's your if it's a friend or a family member or or someone close to you, then maybe you do let them have it, you know, right right in front of you. But again, if that's not possible, there are other ways to express it and I think that's a really important part and and again, a lot of people want to avoid that part because you know, it feels uncomfortable. It's physically uncomfortable to feel all those emotions sometimes, and, and a lot of people just want to say, "You know, how many times has someone been hurt?" and and they say just immediately, "Oh no, I'm fine. It's okay. I'm over it. Don't worry about it." Um, that's just because they want to jump through that process. They don't want to feel all of those those difficult feelings in the, along the way. So we have understanding why it happened, or at least having a framework for why it happened, and then we have expressing the emotion, and then the third part, I think is, is important as well, which is rebuilding safety, which is, you know, if you've been hurt by somebody, you need to have a reasonable amount of assurance that that act won't happen again. Again, it's not a hundred percent. We're not, we're never like a hundred percent safe from, from ever being injured, but, um, but you need to have some sort of a reasonable assurance that that won't happen. If it's, if it's with your, your spouse that might be a promise from them saying, "You know what? I'm sorry. I did that. I won't do that again." Um, if it's if it's somebody else, or or if, if if that's not possible to make that promise, maybe it's you making a decision that you're not going to put yourself in that situation again. You're not going to allow yourself to get hurt that way, uh, or you're going to have a different retort. You know, if you were hurt physically, maybe you're going to uh, take a, a physical a self-defense class so that you are better able to protect yourself next time. So all these things are ways that we rebuild safety to kind of leave ourselves a little less vulnerable to that same injury happening again.
1: And and so obviously it depends on the situation. And like you said, you use the assault example. And and I think one of the empowering things is is this all involves self reflection and and can be done internally. And you certainly would like to get your partner involved. If, if this is something where you say, Hey, can you promise not to do that again? But if, if maybe that's not possible or, I mean, it should always be possible with, uh, with your partner, but you can initiate that stage and, and, and ask for that promise from them.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's just so that you can feel like, okay, I'm, I have a reasonable, Assurance that that's not going to happen, and and if you've gone through these things, if you kind of have a framework for understanding why it happened, if you've been able to express some of the emotion, and if you have some some sense of rebuilt safety, then we get to this fourth fourth part, which is letting go. And letting go is it, it, people sometimes think of this in in more spiritual terms, but I actually think of this as very practical. Letting go is making a decision that you're not going to hold this grudge any longer. You're not going to hold this over their head any longer. So if this is a spouse spousal relationship, that means you're not going to pull this out of the out of the knapsack and beat them over the head. The next time you're losing an argument, it means you're not going to uh, um, you know dwell on these these thoughts and feelings any longer. You're going to say I'm I'm doing my best to just say I'm not going to dwell on this anymore, and I'm going to let it go. And I feel like you're not, you're not able, able to really get to that point of letting go until you've done those first three, the first three phases.
0: What if somebody just can't let it go? Does, is that a big sign that they need to go back to step maybe one, two or three and, and focus on redoing them again? Or is there a specific step they need to focus on more than another to be able to let go?
2: Well, I think that's, that's a great question. I think it is usually it's about one of those three stages. It's about, you know how could i let go if i don't feel safe you know so i need to to do something you know if if my if the perpetrator is living in the house and i don't um and i don't feel like i'm i'm protected or or safe from him then it is going to be hard to let go and you need to rebuild that safety or find some way to to, to resolve that or if i haven't been able to fully express what i'm feeling about this then you know, those, then it's going to be really hard to let go because those feelings are going to come knocking on the door every time you see this person. Or if I don't really understand why it happened, then I'm going to have to, it's going to be hard to let go either. So I, that's why I say I think these three phases, and it could be either any one of them for a person, that you need to kind of go back and process before you're able to let go.
1: These are great stages to consider when trying to forgive. And one thing that helps me and not necessarily in in our relationship, because I'm not just uh, complimenting Sarah here, but there's, there's (laughs) there's not too many things I have to forgive her for. But like, if I get cut off in traffic, and I get like this internal sort of rage, and I go to reactive brain, if I can think that person did not have bad intentions, you know, so I could apply that to my partner, I could apply that to the person that cut me off. They did not purposely cut me off just like my partner did not purposely try to annoy me hopefully you know not every time but and that to me can really help jumpstart that forgiveness process
2: Hmm. i think that's a great example right so there you are you're cut off in traffic maybe in the moment you need to express ah you know this person cut me off but then you try to understand all right why did this happen Was it really malicious? No, they're just trying to go where they're trying to go, and maybe they weren't paying attention completely. Okay, I understand that. You know, you can understand why it happened, Then it wasn't a personal attack against you. It was just driving. And then you rebuild some safety and say, okay, uh, I'm going to (laughs) just, I'm not going to follow so close to to the car ahead of me, and uh, I'm just going to be a little more aware of the drivers around me. Um, And then you can, like, let it go.
1: kind of another way of of saying it too like with your with your partner is is giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think if and we've talked about this on the show before but it if we go around like thinking your partner's out to get you and sometimes if you're if you're in a rough patch in your relationship that's that's kind of the way we might feel, right? And then it, it and then you're just more likely to think that they're they are intentionally trying to hurt you but instead just being like you know what give them the benefit of the doubt they weren't trying to do that or they or maybe they had a bad day it, it's just a, a valuable reframing of everything
2: it is i, I definitely definitely agree with that it's, it's a valuable reframing you're giving them the benefit of the doubt and you're you're recognizing that everyone makes some mistakes and and I guess you want to be extending the same grace to others that you hope they would be extending to you, right?
1: Exactly. And and so we've talked about forgiveness here, and, and you've given us these great stages. Are there any other important things that we haven't gone over before we, we talk about uh, reconciliation?
2: Well, yeah. So just a couple other things, just about the, the benefits of this. Um, I mean, if you take a look, there's been a lot of research done on forgiveness, and about the, the benefits of, of not holding a grudge or letting yourself drop a grudge. And the benefits are, are wide-ranging from, you know, lowered blood pressure to, you know, decreased, uh, you know, smoking and drinking activities, um, just all sorts of mental health and physical health benefits that come from someone who's able to to let go of this. Um, there's, a, there's a great quote from, from one of the first people who really wrote on the topic. His name is Lou, Lou Smith. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. And I love that quote, because it's saying, look, we're not, we're not just letting the other person off the hook here. We're not forgetting what happened. or not, We're not ignoring the fact that there was an injury that occurred. But we're dropping the grudge, because really the only person who is suffering from the grudge is you.
1: That's a so, great...
2: Yes, by, by forgiving, you're setting that prisoner free.
1: Yeah. And, and what a great perspective to have because, you know, I'm just picturing like, like uh, the symbolism of, you know, like a, a a car going through the mud and that's you and, and you're just going through and you're, you're collecting all these things and uh, of, of these grudges if you're not letting them go and that's just going to bog you down. Right. And you're just going to get bogged down and get stuck rather than just move forward and, and, Look, easier said than done, but if you start using these tools, giving people the benefit of the doubt, you're going to you're going to to carry on my my metaphor, the the mud is going to come off the tires and you're not going to get bogged down and stuck, right? You're you're going to just cruise through a, a smooth sailing and and what a way to go through life and and to realize that we don't have to let other people's transgressions bog us down. And, and your quote was a, a beautiful, much simpler way of putting that. And, and, yeah, we're imprisoning ourselves when we do that.
2: We are. We are. And and, to, to, and so the, and the transition to uh, to reconciliation, uh, another quote from the same fellow, Lou Smead, he says, it takes one person to forgive it takes two people to be reunited, and I think that's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So, forgiveness is is kind of a selfish, in, a, in the healthiest way, a selfish act of saying I'm not going to allow myself to be burdened by someone else's pain any longer. You know, someone else's injury to me, I'm, I'm going to let go of that. But reuniting is a different story. That's that's the reconciliation part, and that's where forgiveness is a part of that process, but um, but it's, it's only a part. So that's where it gets more complicated when we get into reconciling with one another.
1: So let's jump right in and talk about how can we reconcile with, and, and let's just put it in the framework of our, our partner. Um, and, and where does that come in? Do we go through the stages of forgiveness and then uh, work on the reconciliation?
0: But before we continue on with this interview, I want to play a song that I had made for Chase.
3: It was the last night of the year I saw you saunter by and my mission was clear I just had to meet that sexy sucker man Then I thought you might be running with a big bad bunch When I saw your brother reeling from a sucker punch But I'm pleased
1: That is so cool. It sounds like uh, it could be on the radio, maybe. It sounds great. And it is such a great gift because... It's really personal. It's really cute. She mentions how we made a little water monkey. That's our daughter, Stella. And water monkey is the name of our business in Florida uh, where we take people paddle boarding. But it's just so personal and, and it sounds great. It's almost it, it's like uh, kind of got a Jack Johnson feel and and we love the song and it's just such a great gift.
0: And just so Chase mentioned the little water monkey, that's actually in the second verse that didn't just get played for you. But if you want to hear the full version, you'll have to stay tuned for the end of the episode because we'll play the whole song. And that is probably my favorite part of the song.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just, uh, there are obviously a lot of Things you can get for someone, uh, chocolate, flowers. Those are all nice, <laughs> but this is so unique. It's like a, it's basically a poem, a song, and, and it's beautiful. And like I said, it sounds great. So it's just a nice thing to have, especially the, the first few times you listen to it. It's a, a really special, unique gift.
0: And the process of creating the song was so easy. I just answered a few questions about our relationship and told the songwriter how I wanted the feel of the song to be. And it came out just like this. So it was so easy and it was perfect. And I feel like it relates to exactly how I wanted to express my love to Chase. So. We hope you guys get one as well for your partner. It's a great gift for birthdays or anniversaries. So you can go to songfinch.com and enter the promo code IDO. That's songfinch.com, promo code do, and you can get 10% off your song. Again, that's songfinch.com with the promo code IDO.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Babble. Babbel. Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in the world. And since Sarah and I and Stella moved to Costa Rica, we made it a priority to learn Spanish and Babbel makes it super easy to do that. Stella kind of learns it through our nanny. Obviously, she's three. She's not on the Babbel app, but our nanny only speaks Spanish. So she's learning it there. But for Sarah and I, it's been great because the lessons are super easy and they're designed to get you speaking confidently in whatever new language you want and actually remember what you learn because remembering the stuff is kind of the hardest part in the way the lessons are laid out. It makes it really easy to remember. The app makes it super fun to complete and you can learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Russian, Swedish, and many more languages. So If you've always wanted to learn that other language, you can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it absolutely free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com or download download the app for free at Babbel.com and use the promo code IDO. That's I-D-O and that way they know that we sent you
2: well i think I think so I think a big part of 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 reconciliation and really being able to to reunite as as Smith says here um, really hinges on forgiveness and and really a sincere apology um and an apology doesn't isn't just a one time statement necessarily it's something that maybe has to take place over time you know um where someone is really showing i i see what. I've done to hurt you, and i feel i feel badly about that and i i you know am making taking steps making taking practical steps to make sure that doesn't happen again because i don't want uh, i don't want that kind of pain in your life um so an apology is a big part of this, and you know we've had a lot of apologies in in the public um in the last year and uh and a lot of them are scrutinized because it doesn't really include uh, they don't really include the the personal component of this It's like, oh, I understand what your actual pain is and I am sorry that I caused that pain to you. Mostly, oh I guess I guess I got caught and I'm sorry about getting caught. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah.
0: So actually understanding their actions and what they've done.
2: Yes. Yes. The best when and I'll do uh, you know, forgiveness exercises, um, you know, reconciliation exercises with couples. And the the big, the first part of it is the person who was injured talks as long as they want about what it was that was, was hurting, you know, what, how, how that experience was for them. And the other person, the, the person who did the injury um, listens and, you know, does the reflective listening piece that you're probably familiar with, where you're kind of repeating back to them, oh, here's what I hear you saying. You, this is what happened to you. It's really important that the person who was injured feel deeply understood about what it was that hurt them and why and like, you know, the, the severity of that injury and, and what it was what that was all about. It's really important for them to know, you know, this is this was this is really a painful experience for me.
1: This is a great communication practice and, and like you said, that the partner that has been uh, hurt has the ability to to talk as long as they want and and we 've talked we 've had different communication uh skills uh, around this where some couples, even when they 're not uh, fighting, they do like five minutes uh, talking each where the other one just listens and 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 that 's just such a powerful way to to keep the relationship strong and then certainly, if you are trying to forgive a partner. You need to get that off your chest and, and they need to listen. So it's a valuable exercise. Now, what if the partner, and, and this is a common thing, I'm sure, but the partner that has transgressed is not giving the time of day to, to listen to, to why you're upset and, and they're not acknowledging it. And then they're not, maybe they're apologizing, but it's not a sincere apology. How can we navigate that situation?
2: Okay, so you're, you're saying if the person who, uh, if the transgressor is uh, the perpetrator, we'll put it in those terms, <laughs> the perpetrator isn't willing to acknowledge that they did something wrong exactly. or, the, right. or the, the apology is just kind of flippant, that yes. sort of thing? yep. Well, then, frankly, forgiveness in this case or reconciliation isn't going to take place, right? Because there's no, there's no um, there's, you can't rebuild safety if you don't really feel like this isn't going to happen to me again. And they may have to to make that clear to the other person, you know what? I felt hurt by you, and I'm not gonna feel safe um, you know opening up to you any longer I might, I might not feel safe sleeping in the same bed with you for a while. I might not feel safe until we can really process this and work this through. you know there are gonna be some some consequences to this um, and I think that's that's an important part of the discussion. It's like well what if what if this uh reconciliation doesn't happen, the, the relationship suffers. And let's show just exactly how this relationship is going to suffer because we're no longer, you know, I no longer feel safe to be open and vulnerable with you. So, um, so we need to take some steps to make that happen.
0: And I imagine it would be really hard for the person um, who's trying to forgive to let go, because if you can't Rebuild that trust, or rebuild that safety. Then, how are you going to be able to let go? I imagine that would just kind of be like a daunting thing. That's always going to be on the relationship.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, taking this to to even more extreme stuff when people when there's been an affair in a relationship, for example, right? There's infidelity. Um, You know, the the trust rebuilding for for that. If if a couple can survive that, if they're going to be able to rebuild trust again. That takes months to years and and a lot of these discussions and a lot of openness and vulnerability and a lot of the the person who is hurt um, expressing how they feel and knowing that the other person really understands that and it's a it's, It can be a difficult long process you know trust is a, is kind of the backbone of the relationship, and if that gets uh betrayed then we we have some some work
1: to do so obviously we can't Force our partner to change, we can't force them to apologize, but are there anything someone could say that if if their partner's being reluctant to to acknowledge their transgression, are there any leading dialogues that we can do to to try to help facilitate them to make it easier
2: um, sure i mean i think I think you want to remind I, I, always with with the couples that I've worked with. You know, we, we start off by talking about what, what it was that brought you together in the first place, what was working well, what was going going well, you know, before some of the, the, the challenges uh, occurred, you know, and you want to be able to remind one another of, you know what, I really have loved all of these parts of this relationship, and I've loved our, you know, our communication, I've loved sex, I've loved travel, I've loved the things that we've done together, and now because of what happened, I don't feel safe enough to do those things with you anymore. And I want to be able to get back to that. So how can we, you know, we need to do some repair work in order for this to happen. And, you know, hopefully that's something that they both enjoyed together. And, you know, that could be the motivator to help them do some of that work. But, you know, frankly, if that's not something that the, that the transgressor, the perpetrator, is not willing to do that work, then, you know, I, you can't... Lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink i mean it's, it's hard to to force anybody to do any sort of work like this
1: It's important to keep in mind, but I do love that dialogue and that that positive statement of of thinking about the good times and then just you know using that as the framework to say you know it, it was whatever it is and and that's why. I would like us to be able to move past it. And I think that can be so powerful in getting the transgressor transgressor to to put their guard down because obviously there's various reasons that they, they probably know that they did deep down inside, they know that they did something wrong, but they, they're holding on to the sincere apology for whatever reason. And then, so a statement of, of just reminding them of, what it was like when you first met or the trip you took. And, and uh, let's get back to, to that point in our relationship, I think can have a a pretty good effect, hopefully at that point.
2: Well, that's yes. And that's exactly the point is that when someone is under attack, when they feel, if they're feeling under attack, even if I'm the one who perpetrated the, 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 the crime, right? I did the bad thing to you, but I feel like, you know, even my apologies are being met with, with an attack. Um, that's going to make it much much less likely for me. I'm going to feel much, much less safe to be vulnerable with you now, right? So we are kind of trying to create an environment where, okay, let's focus on what's, what's good here. Let's focus on why it is that we're, we're trying to repair this, and let's do this repair without, uh, without personal attacks on each other.
3: For
0: the perpetrator who has a hard time having that sincere apology, is there a common reason why? Like, is it pride, or is it just not like lack of understanding of what they've done, or is there a, a general consensus of what it is?
2: Um, you know, it's and this is just coming from from clinical experience here. I haven't actually read research on why, but uh, from what I've seen with people, there's a, a few things. One is they just don't have the language for it, right? Like. You know, we all know people who are kind of professional apologizers, right? Who, yeah. <laughs> they just spend a lot of time apologizing for every little thing. You know, oops, uh, I didn't hold the door open for you. I'm sorry. You know, everything that can be an apology. There's some folks where that's just not part of their vocabulary. They haven't really apologized much at all in their life. They're not sure how to have that sincere apology. Um, and, you know, then you could go to, well, why is that? Why haven't they been apologizing during their life? And and that could be because of pride um, or because of just the, the difficulties with that level of vulnerability. I mean, it's, it's hard going to that level. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a male psychologist. I work with men a lot of times and there are a lot of guys I know who have a really hard time talking about feelings at all. And, That just feels like way too scary, way too vulnerable for them. And it raises a lot of anxiety actually in them to even talk about feeling sad or feeling scared or feeling angry. And so that's that's something that may have to be, may have to work slowly to get to that point to kind of let them know that it's okay. We can talk about these things now.
1: It's kind of the classic example of the guy that is not in touch with their feelings, but it unfortunately it 's true and in, in order to no one 's perfect, so at some point we 're going to have to apologize and and obviously, there can be deep seated psychological reasons that that 's hard, um, but definitely working on that with a therapist is valuable and then just forcing yourself to do it because like any good habit, like we have a, a two and a half year old and we 're teaching her lots of things and we 're trying to teach her. Manners and and you know and, and apologizing is essentially you know having good manners and and so just getting her in the habit of saying excuse me when she burps she burps a lot <laughs> but you know and now she says it every time and I mean this is an oversimplification with two and a half year old but we're we're creating a a habitual response for her. And so if, if apologizing, it might not be ingrained in you, Uh, you know, you're an adult now. And so it's not going to happen overnight, but, but doing the work and it it will become easier and you're going to, to navigate your relationship with a a spouse or at work or friends, it's just going to be a lot better.
2: Totally agree. You're right. And I think that that is, that's a big part of it is kind of how we're how are we raising our kids to uh, to be both well, to be good at apologizing and to recognize that it's okay to make mistakes, you know? I think I think there's also, you know, Sarah, you're asking kind of what, what other sort of fundamental issues might be at, at play here, and I think another is, is shame, actually. And shame has to do with um, you know, feeling bad about who we are, uh, not just about feeling bad about what we've done. That guilt tends to be about what we've done, and, and shame is about feeling bad about who we are. And for some people to apologize and to say I did something wrong, it's it's almost like saying I am bad, I am wrong. Like I'm, you know, they're afraid that that might equate with I'm, I am a bad person. And uh, and oftentimes, especially in, in marriage relationships, one spouse isn't asking for the other one to say that they're a bad person. <laughs> they're just trying to get them to admit that they've made a mistake and they, they screwed something up and they, they want them to, uh, to take responsibility for that. And, uh, and for some folks that can be, that can be really dicey ground.
0: It's so interesting to me, that word bad that you say, just cause it's so, we just on, while we're on the a talk of, of Stella raising our daughter, uh, Chase and I are very aware of using the word "bad," and we we never try to say like "don't be bad" or "you're being bad" because it's. I feel like it's just so labeling. So you know, we try to use like "bad behavior," make good choices, um, because I, I really do think that it can affect her identity, their, her as identity a bad as, as being a bad person um, as a child, and then growing up.
2: Absolutely right, and that that's a very shame based sort of statement there. I am bad or I've done I am I'm, yeah I'm I'm a, I'm a bad girl, I'm a bad boy. And I'm I'm glad you guys are staying away from that cuz that that doesn't help anyone down the road.
1: Yeah, and and uh we've told our listeners before, but we're actually starting a a kids podcast and 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 to deal with things like this and and today could be an episode on there because these are important things for adults to understand. A lot of us don't understand them. And, and the, I'm sorry, the podcast is for parents. So it's a parenting podcast, but oh, okay, yeah, great. it's teaching them, you know, if the parents understand this dynamic of, of how to forgive and or how to apologize and, and the details behind it that you've given us that have been so great, then they can teach that to their kids while they learn it themselves. Because this is, uh, we talk about it on the podcast a lot, these things... Things are not taught to us in school, unfortunately. A lot of times, like that, we learn them in the household. And and if we don't learn them, we we have a rude awakening when we're in a relationship, and suddenly it's so hard to apologize or it's so hard to forgive. And and that's why we started this podcast is to learn for ourselves and and to give this information to as many people as possible. So. Ryan, you, you've definitely given us a lot of great stuff today. Why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Okay. Well, I, uh, my website is ryanhouse.net. Um, and that's, that's kind of the hub for, for most of my work, but you can see my writing on uh, psychology today, or I also write for uh, for self magazine and two other places. So just Google Ryan house and, uh, see more about what I do.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll have uh, the link to your website on your show notes page uh, on our website at com. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show.
2: Chase, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: We hope you guys enjoy today's show. If you want to check out the show notes or the interview links from today's show, head on over to our website at idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab and you'll see this interview up at the top, followed by all of our other past interviews. And while you're on our website, check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you a daily email with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources in the form of downloadable guides and workbooks. Um, So for example, uh, some of the topics include how to cultivate respect in a relationship, how to heal from a bad breakup. Step by step guides to help couples manage conflict, uh, how to affair proof your relationship. Those are just a few of the topics that we talk about uh, in these free guides. So, if any of those sound interesting to you, you can check those out on our website at idupodcast.com. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show.
3: It was the last night of the year. I saw you saunter by and my mission was clear. I just had to meet that sexy surfer man. Then I thought you might be running with a big bad bunch. When I saw your brother reeling from a soccer punch. But I'm in the way. <laughs> how the streets of Venice want some Chinese
1: To a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com.